0: Amen. Are you glad you got to worship this morning? Amen. If you got your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter twenty-three, and uh, we'll get there here in just a second. Uh, but as you heard uh, from Brian, uh, if you notice, we don't have a drummer this morning. Uh, DJ Metters, who plays electric force and plays drum force, uh, his father passed away suddenly uh, either last night or this morning. And so, here's what I would ask you to do as a church and as a church family. Um DJ's phone is not on uh but his social media is up and so if you would just reach out to him uh DJ has come a long way uh I was with him uh when his mother passed away suddenly a couple of years ago and uh, so we as the church need to show the love of Christ to him. And so I would ask you uh, to just reach out on social media, on Facebook, not while I'm preaching, preferably, uh, but afterwards, <laughs> uh, look up DJ uh, Metters and uh, he will be there and uh, just reach out to him and show him uh, our, our love to him as a church. I know you don't get to talk to him as much being on stage and different things like that, but uh, this is going to be a tough loss for him. And so we as his church, uh, we're really some of the only family that he's got left from this point forward. And so uh, it's an important part for us to play that role, okay? Uh, So uh, on a flip note, um, we started a sermon series called Goodness Graciousness last week. How many of you know God is good? Good. Uh, How many of you have said goodness graciousness this past week on accident or whatever it was? Uh, I'm going to ask you to start off with me this morning and say goodness graciousness. Ready? All right, so as we study this, the next part of this, last week we asked the question, is God really good? This morning we're going to ask the question, is God really gracious? Now, some of you may be saying, well, I don't even know what gracious means or graciousness means. Uh, So here's the definition or the working definition that we'll start with this morning pleasantly kind. Benevolent and courteous. Now, understanding graciousness. How many of you would say God is gracious to you? Just by slipping up your hands, Amen's good. This is a good thing. This is a healthy thing. Does God give to us generously? And I think the answer would be a resounding yes. I love what he says in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 19. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Realize the context of this is Joshua coming into a leadership role. And God is talking to him and comforting him and helping him in this process. And he says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And listen to what he says. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. I love the fact that God's graciousness is not limited to who we think that it should go towards. Isn't it funny that all of us define and say, this person, God should definitely be gracious to them. They've been through so many difficult things. God, please be gracious to them, but don't be gracious to them. I don't even really like them. God, please don't bless them because you should bless me instead. Now, isn't it funny that this is our use of graciousness? And so let me ask you, is God really gracious when it's Thursday and you're broke and you have no food and you don't get paid for a day? Has anybody been here? This is college all over again to me. If it wasn't for ramen noodles and peanut butter but god was gracious in those chicken flavored ramen noodles and peanut butter that was hard as a rock and bread that was just you could pick the mold off of it and god was gracious imagine is god gracious when i can't afford a new car is god gracious man you're looking at your your old beater and you're going come on baby one more week And other people are buying new cars, and you're like, is God really gracious? Why isn't he gracious to me? Is God really gracious when you're struggling to pay bills every week? Is God really gracious when you're wanting and desiring a vacation, but you can't afford one? Is God really gracious when other people are posting pictures at Ruth Chris and I'm sitting at Taco Bell? Is God really gracious? The reality is this. The problem and the trap that lies for us is we get in this comparison trap. We continually compare ourselves and say, why is God so gracious to them and not to me? And I tell you that this is a trap that genuinely never ends. Can I tell you just a a fun fact for us to understand? Everybody in this world wants what somebody else has. It's crazy. Right now, as you look around this room and you see people with certain types of hair, colors of hair, or hair at all. (laughs) It's amazing what takes place. One of the things that I love in my household is if you notice, Carly has curly hair, Caroline has straight hair. Do you know that Carly sometimes straightens her hair and Caroline sometimes curls her hair. This is fascinating to me. I just want hair. <laughs> Curly, straight. I don't really care. But it's crazy how we want what somebody else has. I tell you that some of you are saying that God is not gracious because he has not blessed you or given you the things that you want, but the reality is God has blessed you and given you everything that you need. So let's dig into this with God's graciousness. Through this sermon series, we're looking at the 23rd Psalm, and we're picking pieces of it to comfort us, to help us understand the goodness of God and the graciousness of God. The interesting thing is that we have seen and heard the 23rd Psalm so many times in our life, whether it's at a funeral or whether it's at a graveside or whether it's at a, a whatever occasion, the 23rd Psalm is one of the most used passages of scriptures that's out there. But for some reason, those words have just become null and void to the background music of us. But let's look at God's graciousness this morning. The first thing that we need to see is in Psalm chapter 23 and verse 1. He says, he will meet all of my needs if I trust him. Listen to the words that David the psalmist says. The Lord is my shepherd. What does he say? I shall not want. Imagine this. Now, you have to understand the context of David. It's hard to pinpoint what situation that he's in in this exact moment as he's writing this. But the reality is most people think that he was being chased by Saul at this time. Imagine that he was on the run. He was running from somebody that was trying to kill him. He did not have anything. He would hide in the caverns. He would hide in places just to make sure that his life was still spared. He starts this psalm with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want Other translations say that I will lack nothing is how this is translated. Imagine that feeling that you lack nothing. Can I ask a question this morning? How many of you feel like you lack nothing this morning? Don't raise your hands or don't answer out loud. But it's interesting as Christmas is coming, and how many parents have started receiving the Christmas lists of your kids? You realize how much they lack? It's crazy that we are programmed to want and to want and to want and to want. He will meet all of my needs if I simply trust him. The second thing that we see in this passage of scripture is this in verse 6. He will be good to me no matter what happens. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Listen, God's graciousness is present all around you. The interesting thing is that most of the time we're not looking at it. We're looking at what we want or what we don't have. It's hard for us to believe that God is really gracious when we don't have everything that we want and everything that we desire. I love to go back to this understanding that David was possibly being chased. And he says these words Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'm sitting there going, If I'm being chased for my life, I'm not going, God, you are so good to me. I'm going, God, please help him stop trying to kill me. David says the exact opposite. Your goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. It's crazy what our perspective is. David had this perspective. Saul hasn't killed me yet. (laughs) This is a good day. Man, I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to go in the direction that he's called me to go. I'm going to follow him in everything that takes place. Third thing that he tells us that he will overflow our cup. In Psalm chapter 23 and verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. In other translations, it says you fill my cup to overflowing. Another one says you give me more than I can hold. Now, a fun question to consider this morning Do you feel like you are blessed beyond measure this morning? Do you feel like if God blessed you anymore, the cup would just run over and flow over? See, the perspective for most of us is, man, I need a refill. I I need a little bit more, I need a little bit, why is their cup so full? Why isn't God getting around to me? And we uh, wonder, why are we not, is God even really gracious? The reality is, what's your cup? Your cup is your life. Is your life blessed? Blessed. Is God gracious in everything that has taken place in your life? In John chapter 7 and verse 37 and 38, Jesus is speaking on these words and he says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. Listen to what he says. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If your cup is empty, if this morning you have been caught in the trap of trying to find something to fill you, you will never find it. Jesus is the only thing that can do this. Continues with this in verse 38. Whoever believes in me. This is what it means to place your faith and trust completely in Christ. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The term that he's trying to get across, or the the thing that he's trying to get across, is that when you live for Christ, he allows the rivers of living water to continually flow over your life. What is an overflowing life? to be filled beyond capacity with an endless supply of God's goodness and graciousness. The prophet Isaiah says in 48, verse 17 and 18, it says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God. And listen to what he says, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way that you should go. He says this this harsh reality Oh that you had paid attention to my commandments. I remember growing up and I probably would never have had admitted this as a kid that my parents would tell me to do something and I would go against it. Anybody with me? The rest of you will talk about lying next week. And I remember after the consequences or punishment or whatever it was, I would think, man, if only I had just listened. I didn't realize they knew what they were talking about. I sure wasn't going to tell them that they were right, but they were. Same thing is true for our relationship with Christ Nobody in here doesn't know what to do. Are we willing to submit to it? He says, oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. And he says, if you had done this, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. And I love this understanding of the graciousness of God. So let me put it to you in this way. There's two ways for you to live your life. The first is this. To have a shortage mindset. I've never had enough and never will. The biblical term that is laid out for this is lacking, wanting, or need. And here's what the focus is. The focus is my limited resources. Have you ever played the game of if I had this I would do this, if I would have this, or if I would have this, or if I would have this. Listen, some of you said if you hit the Powerball, you would do this for the church. I'm guessing none of you won. Maybe a better approach would be to trust the Lord. Amen. Man, it's crazy that we look and look, some of you spent the money before you ever even got it. How many of you were, I didn't see any new F-250s in the truck. That's the only thing I asked for. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I've heard that many times before. A shortage mindset. The focus is on my limited resource. Constantly looking at yourself and saying, if I had this, if I did this, if, if, if. Listen, trust the Lord and begin to go forward. Your financial status has nothing to do with you serving the Lord. The result of living with a shortage mindset is an overwhelmed life. If you're constantly focused on the things that you don't have, you're missing out on the graciousness of God. The second way to live life is this, and I hope this is where we find the majority of ourselves, is with a surplus mindset. Do you really believe that God has more than you'll ever need? Look, the terms that he says are abundance, abounding, and plentiful. Look, maybe you've been looking to the wrong person or to the wrong thing to see that God has everything. He owns it all. It's all in his possession. The focus of somebody that has a surplus mindset is this. God's unlimited resources will take care of me and everything that I go through. The result As we've seen in Psalm 23, 5, an overflowing life. And so I've put together a little bit of an action plan this morning. Because now that we know that God is good, now that we know that God is gracious, we need to put a little bit of action to this. And so I didn't want you to, to, to wonder and say, well, what next? Now that I know that God is gracious, what should I begin to do? So here's the action plan. Are you ready for the first one? Just brace yourself. This may come across a little harsh. Stop complaining and start being grateful. That was different than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Some people feel that you have the gift of complaining I've read the Bible through and through. There is no spiritual gift that lines up with that. (laughs) There is no gift of complaining. Look, this was something in my household. It was either stop complaining or we'll make you stop complaining. (laughs) Stop complaining and start being grateful. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14 says do all things without grumbling or disputing Amen. man how many of you have quoted that to your kids? how many of you wrote that down so that you could quote that to your kids? okay good this is one of those things do all things without grumbling or disputing first Thessalonians chapter five verse eighteen says giving thanks in all circumstances now Recognize that that doesn't say give thanks in the good circumstances. This is in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So here's the plan. Are you ready? If we're going to stop complaining and start being grateful, when your eyes open in the morning, before you get out of bed, I want you to think of 10 things that you can be grateful for 10 things listen just don't name them off because your spouse may be sleeping okay but just in your mind think of 10 things and then get out of bed and imagine the difference in your day because as soon as you get out of bed you go oh that hurts And then we're back to the part of complaining again. <laughs> the reality is when we get out of bed, everything changes. So that first moment says this. I'm going to find 10 things that I'm blessed with. I'm going to name them. I'm going to talk to God about them. But that's where I'm going to start my day. Second thing is this with the action plan. We've heard stop complaining and start being grateful. The second is this. Stop Comparing and start being contented. I don't even know if that's a word. Stop comparing and be content. Proverbs 14, verse 30. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. Some would say this is uh, the, the, the ending life dissertation of King Solomon. He says it this way. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after wind. We're grasping for something that we don't have. So are you ready for the next action, the next plan? Look, this is a tough one because I know that some of you are already gearing up for Black Friday shopping and all the things that come with it. So I'm going to warn you, this one's going to sting a little bit too. Next time you want something, list 10 things that you have. I don't like the preacher this morning. Thank you for not amending to that. Next time you want something, list 10 things that you have. Third one is this, stop being stingy and start being generous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 through 8 says the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Get this. We have become so stingy, just Look, and I understand inflation and life changes and all those things that have happened and kids are expensive and everything is expensive and we just kind of draw the net and we pull back. And it's the opposite of what God's called us to be. He tells us in Malachi chapter three and verse 10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house I love what he says. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. It's interesting that one of the areas that we hold on to the most is in the area of finance. Look, the reality of what this church could accomplish if every one of you trusted the Lord just with your tithe. Just with your tithe. You say, Jeff, like, I can't believe you're saying that. You get paid by the church. I do. But I promise you, The one fight that has never happened in my household is the fight over what we give to the church. It is like clockwork. Never even a consideration. Never even a concern. Look, the reality is this. Everything that we have came from the Lord. Maybe we're not seeing His graciousness because we're not trusting him. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. I can tell you from somebody that has done this for as long as I can remember. God has Always supplied my needs. And a lot of times, even my wants. So here's the action plan. Are you ready for this? This is going to be the toughest one I've laid out there to you yet. Begin to tithe and see what the Lord does. Look, test it, test the waters. Try it for the next two months and see if God doesn't bless you. You say, Jeff, how will I know? (laughs) Can I tell you? There's no mathematician that could ever look at taking 10% out of your income and giving it to the church and you would have more. But I promise you, everybody that you would talk to that has trusted the Lord with giving has more than what they know what to do with. Amen. Look, I promise you, these steps are hard. But if we know that God is gracious, we know that He is good, we know that He is this God that He's telling us to be, we have to trust Him. So let me close with this Is God gracious? Yes. We have to come to this point of, do you believe that he is gracious? If you believe that he is gracious, test him and see. Maybe the reason that you're having a hard time seeing his graciousness is because you're focusing on the wrong thing. Look, if you focus on yourself, you focus on you individually, you're missing out on the graciousness of God if everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes just for a second. The worship team is going to come forward and sing a song or verse of invitation. We started with a genuine question of whether or not God really is gracious. I've taken you through passage of scripture after passage of scripture after passage of scripture that show you that God is gracious in all things. That always puts us to this point. Are we really going to trust him? Are we really going to be thankful for the things that he's blessed us with? Are we really going to consider the next thing that we want versus the 10 things that he's provided for us? And are we going to trust him in our tithing? Look, there's probably some little voice inside of you going, don't do it. Don't trust him. He's not gracious. I can tell you that's not God. I can tell you that's not the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Lord is telling you with conviction, you know that I'm gracious. Why are you focused on everything that you don't have and not focused on all that I have blessed you with? Why are you still struggling with contentment Why are you looking to your job or your spouse or somebody to provide it for you? Why don't you talk to me about it? Dear Father, I come to you this morning, Lord, with a heavy heart. Knowing that all of us believe and all of us know that you are a gracious God. Lord, when it comes to the action plans of actually genuinely seeing how gracious you are, if you trust you, Lord, we celebrate your goodness, we celebrate your graciousness, but Lord, we have a responsibility within our own hearts and within our own lives to live for you. Father, I pray that those that have listened to this scripture this morning and listened to these words this morning Lord, that their hearts would be stirred to trust you. They would see you as a good God and as a gracious God. Lord, stop living the, the, the life's outset that says, I don't have everything that I want. Father, thank you for supplying every need that I have. Lord, with an abundance. Lord, may we as a church bring glory and honor to you and trust you that you are gracious. Christ precious and only name we pray, amen. If everybody would stand as we sing this one verse of invitation. Listen, this altar is open to you. If maybe something hits you within scripture that said, man, I need to be more gracious, I need to trust him more. Whatever the case, this altar is open to you, not as a place of judgment, not as a place of condemnation, but as a place where you can start just trusting the Lord and spend some time with Him.